Equipments and Monitor, Section 3, 6F9. Pulse oximetry relationship to the oxyhemoglobin desiccation curve. SpO2 monitoring is most useful when the patient's PaO2 aligns with a steep portion of the oxyhemoglobin desiccation curve. On the steep portion of the curve, you can reasonably predict the PaO2 for a given SpO2. While we covered the oxyhemoglobin desiccation curve in great detail in the respiratory unit, it never hurts to see it again. You will see this on the NCE in some way, shape, or form. So left shift, increased affinity. So like I said, this is the alkalosis, right? So decreased temperature, decreased 2,3-DPG, decreased CO2, decreased H, H+, plus, dec increased pH, methemoglobin, carboxyhemoglobin, and fetal hemoglobin. Those are all um, left shift. And then the right shift is decreased affinity. So this is like the acidosis, right? So increased temperature, increased 2,3-DPG, increased CO2, increased H+, plus, decreased pH. Once the SpO2 reaches 100% on the plateau portion of the curve, you are no longer able to extrapolate a PaO2. It could be 100 or 500 mmHg. Either way, the SpO2 will read 100%. How does SpO2 relate to PaO2? Under normal conditions, you can roughly estimate a PaO2 based on the SaO2, what you see on the pulse oximeter. Having said this, anything that shifts the oxyhemoglobin dissociation curve to the left or right alters this relationship. So SpO2 to PaO2 relationship, if you have a 90% SpO2, you know that you will have 60 MMHG PaO2, 80% SpO2 will be 50 MMHG PaO2, 70% SpO2 will be 40 PaO2, 40 MMHG PaO2 for 70% SpO2. Methods to improve SpO2 signal, performance of a digital block, warming the extremity, protecting the extremity from ambient light, vasodilating cream, administer an arterial vasodilator.